ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Proud to share this episode thanks to these fine companies I depend on in the field. Game Changer Calls. The GC was designed with all hunting callers in mind. Though elk is the intended target, the unique size is a game-changing tool for turkey and coyote callers as well. It is not designed to replace your tube or open reads, but rather to complement the caller's repertoire in the field. Burris Optics. Find what matters. Proudly made in the USA. Hoffman Boots. If you're heading to the backcountry and you need some meals that won't bog you down, check out SasquatchFuel.com. 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. The pack system for all your scenarios, initial ascent, expect more and never settle. Titanium Archery Products, dedicated archers deserve truly unique products that provide all the performance attributes that they demand, and that's exactly what TAP delivers. Western Fly Covers, ultralight element protection for your gear. Stay on your game. For more brands we run and trust, jump on westerncontours.com partners page. Look for the code Western Contours and save a few dollars off your order. with Joel Stremling. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. So, when did, how did, how do we meet? I think I tagged you in something a while back. There was one of those Instagram things going around and uh, you had said, oh, thanks for the tag, but I don't play Instagram games. And, uh, <laughs> and I just was like, all right, man, you know, that's cool. Your deal. Um yeah, you just reminded me of that. That's right. I think that was kind of how we finally got really chatting was was yeah. it was one of those like one of those it broadcasts by like if you tag two buddies or whatever. And I was like, no, I don't I don't do that because I don't want to like push other people into my agenda, so to speak. I'll, I'll expose them, but I ain't going to shove them. So right. it was that was pretty funny. And then not too long after that, I was like, and 
I, I, I'm looking, you know, scrolling through and I'm like, look at Joel playing Instagram games. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, it, so, it was actually pretty cool, man. That, you know, you, you it, it kind of told me about your mindset. And, and for me, right. That's a lot of how I find people is going through Instagram and looking at social and, and seeing if there's things that, you know, catch my eye or spark an interest. And that actually sparked an interest. And, and I think we had a brief conversation as to, you know, you had explained why you don't do it. Right. And yeah, I thought it was pretty cool, you know, and a lot of people might think it's uppity, but you know, you make a decision and Hey, I don't want to be involved in this kind of, you know, this line or this line. So it actually, I started following closer um, because of that, that brief conversation. And then, you know, it was like, for me, it was like a turnaround when I saw you playing Instagram games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, occasionally like they're still, they're still fun occasionally. And like, I have a couple buddies who, uh, Honestly, like I have a buddy of mine, he's a newer hunter and, and, uh, he's always looking for like gear and stuff. And so he's tagging me on like knife ones and stuff like that. And so honestly, whenever it says like tag one buddy, I'll tag him. Cause I know he doesn't care. And right. I figure if, if one of us wins it, he's still going to win it. Like, I'm not going to keep it because I've got my kit pretty well, you know, set Solid. up for myself. I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to send it over to him. So you got to watch the, uh, the knife stuff though, man. Do you get those? I get them damn Damascus, Pakistani Damascus knives just flooding my feet in my dms man <laughs> yeah they're constantly following me and i don't follow them back <laughs> it's like, well you know it's funny because if you if your account's public they you know they just jump in there and yep. man it's yep. like oh dude but to, you know to each their own whatever yeah so uh yeah. man give us give us a little background man and and talk about that outdoor experience a little bit and yeah yeah let us know who well, Joel I mean, is. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you and I kind of chatted about a little bit offline, but, uh, you know, I, I I, mean, I grew up in a kind of a fishing outdoorsy family. I grew up in Oregon, still live here, um, but uh, didn't hunt, honestly, was not a hunter at all. Didn't have anything negative against hunting. It was sort of almost just not even in my periphery, you know what I mean? Like I did, I did fishing, grabbing, clamming, hiking, the family did, but <clears throat> I knew it existed, but I really had no no thought of it. And then about probably 10 or 11 years ago, my father's father-in-law actually is a hunter and he just was always providing all this really awesome meat to like all the holidays. And I just kept thinking, man, I haven't tried like, cause if I can't do it, maybe I shouldn't just be so willing to like, just chow down on this great food. Kind of, there's a deeper story that we can go into. I mean, I, I the, you may get this sometimes guy, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's venison diplomacy where you'll, you'll give people food, but I get, I will admit, I get a little after a while, maybe not the first time, get a little chafed if someone keeps saying to me, Hey, when are you going to bring yeah. <laughs> more? Um, that's how it was with fish, man. Like I would show up like to a party or something with, and people be like, that's so awesome. You got that for free. Yeah. And I mean, probably most fishers and hunters know there's not much free about what we do. There's a lot of expense, time, money, et cetera, and, and just the investment, even mentally and emotionally. So thousand dollars a pound. I just kind of <laughs> pardon said a thousand dollars a pound. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Like if I charged for that fish, it would be just crazy. So I was like, OK, you know, with this uh, with this guy being so generous, my dad's father in law always bringing all this. Uh, he flies to like North Dakota and like pheasant hunts and all this. And so I was like, man, I mean, you start thinking about the cost to do that and train dogs that he always had. And I was like, OK, I got to at least try hunting. That way I'll know if I can do it. If I can't, okay, that's fine. At least I know 
Um, I kind of like to know how stuff works and, uh, like I've told you. And then, um, so yeah, I went out and said, Oh, I'm going to buy a shotgun and start with birds. Cause it seems like the easiest thing, which, you know, some may laugh at, but fortunately I knew where there was a lot of uh, turkeys around. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, not only was I successful at it, but I found that I really enjoyed it. And so it's become sort of a lifelong thing. I honestly can't imagine not hunting now. You know, it's, uh, I mean, I, I think you get that, like maybe people from the outside might not, or other hunters might get it, but you know, the, the idea that once you start down that road, it's just, I can't see myself never, you know, not hunting rather, I should say, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And there's a, there's that idea of, or that thought of what took me so long. Why, why didn't I <laughs> oh, do yeah. this before? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't typically buy meat anymore. Uh, I haven't bought like meat other than like maybe some bacon or something to add into a recipe in 10 years. So I just don't, I don't buy meat. I have a big freezer in my basement and, uh, uh, hopefully it's about to be a lot fuller. Actually, I got an elk hunt, elk hunt coming up, a cow elk depredation hunt. So, um, hoping that, uh, hopefully actually I might have to buy another freezer. <laughs> Increase in the cost of that pound. <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. See what I'm saying? Hey, you got to get a new, you got to get a new truck, right? I mean, how else are you going to haul the meat? And, you know, uh, I, no, I actually it's, it's, just did that with, <laughs> with hunting as, as an excuse, if you will. Right. And, and right, there, right. it was a couple fold. I had, you know, I was driving a Jeep and I love my Jeep, man. A thing will go anywhere, but my road miles, right. With all the out of state hunting were just, Oh yeah. Oh, it was horrible, man. And, uh, People would laugh at me because I'm, you know, I'm pushing 35s on that Jeep and I'm damn near floored. And I got, you know, you get out of California and you got people that, you know, you're 75, 85 miles an hour <laughs> is a speed yes. limit. Right. And you look over and this little old lady yep. is looking at you like, why are you driving slow? And then they see the license plate and it doesn't help you none. And uh, yeah. yeah, man, I had to do it. But, you know, again, that that pound or the dollar per pound just increased oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. drastically. Yeah. It's, 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 it's gotta be, I mean, it's, it's ethically and maybe morally on some level. And of course, health wise, awesome for you. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of good spiritual nature to it as well, getting out in the woods, you know, cause obviously we're not always successful, but, uh, the cost, the cost per pound is, is extreme. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you definitely uh, have to be willing to either budget, you know, there's, and there's those level of folks, right. That, that don't have to worry about it per se. Um, but man, you definitely have to be willing to make some sacrifices to to make it yes. happen on the level you want it to happen. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of them peanut butter sandwiches kind of reminding me of college. <laughs> <laughs> it, what's funny about that though is you, you're eating peanut butter sandwich and you got a four hundred dollar pair of boots. <laughs> yeah, I mean you got to make sacrifices, right? You got to uh, you got to be willing to spend the money on all the things that you think are absolutely necessary and not on the things that you figure just uh, kind of move you forward. So, you know, the, the spotting scope and the boots and the jacket and the truck all end up costing you a bunch, but then you're like, yeah, I'll eat a, I'll eat a dry ramen and a peanut butter and jelly just to get me in the back country. <laughs> hey, it saves weight probably too, right? Yeah. Well, then, you know, <laughs> what's funny about that is you make those sacrifices and you get to the mountain and now, you know, we got what I, I'll call them lavish backcountry meals, man. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you make yep. some of those peanut yep. butter bean sacrifices, then you get in the backcountry and you pop open one of those meals and it's like seventh heaven. 
Yeah, no, it's definitely the, the whole game's kind of changed. It seems like even over just the last ten years, but uh, it's fun. It's fun to be a part of, and definitely fun to kind of watch it and watch it change and see all the different podcasts like yours and everything too. That actually brings up an interesting topic, right? How much, mm-hmm. how much have you seen change? You know in that 10 years because for me it's been it's been phenomenally phenomenally drastic in terms of how fast we've seen advancement in gear over the last decade and in the last five years it seems to have almost triple quadruple fold the 10-year mark no i i 100 agree and what's interesting is that i probably will have a very different perspective than you because again i've only been doing this for like 10 years and only did game hunting for about six um so the the gear that i use now though is totally different than even when i started you know i started out you know and, and look everyone got has their own thing and you should use what works for you but i started out like in full camo and just you know I thought, you know, I had to like, I started out like in the sticks and twigs camo, you know what I mean? And then I went to, you know, a pretty major camo brand and, and everything like that, head to toe, whole closet full of camo. And now I don't even wear camo. Um, <laughs> I just wear brown, you know, and, uh, you know, and some orange just so someone doesn't think I'm a deer or something. But yeah, and so I go with what I think works best for me, both in the technology um, and it's also affordable, of course. Look, I mean, you know, we joke about, spending all this money, but we're still always looking for the best deal. Everyone does. Right. So, um, you know, I just tend to wear a lot of brown wool and, uh, as long as it works for me, then I'm good to go. But I know guys who still dress head to toe and take care of Kui or whatever they want to dress in. Talking to them. Them. <laughs> <laughs> I catch, right, you know, I catch yeah. so much about having to, I can't have nothing mismatch. And, uh, man, it is everything, everything Sitka. I was right there with you. I'm serious. I wore, I saw our first flight when I, when I started out. So I had first light head and toe, man. Like the gators were camel. My bino harness was camel. And now I think like, really, you think a deer cares if your bino harness is camel? Because <laughs> I'm going to guess he doesn't or your rifle. Now they're selling rifles and stuff like that. So I'm just like, and, but again, my point is, man, if it makes you feel good, then you are going to be a more successful hunter. I will say this from growing up, fishing like i told you i I did a lot of fishing i actually i don't think we talked about is i actually even worked in the fishing industry i worked at a fly fishing shop i've helped the buddy you know do bagging he's a guide and uh yeah so like you know the one thing i'll tell people is like you know the number one steelhead fly if you're a fly fisherman probably still although i haven't checked on it is the green butt skunk and it catches more more fish than any other fly out there and the reason why is more people use it. <laughs> so, you know, if you're confident in it, it's going to work. So same with camera, same with your rifle, same with your, you know, everything. Like if you feel good, like you're like, yeah, I feel like I'm a, I'm a mean mother effer getting up this hill and I'm going to go take a deer. Then yeah, you probably are. Versus if you're like going like, man, I'm kind of uncomfortable with itches or I feel like I'm, I'm not blending in right or whatever, then yeah, you're probably not going to be actually moving the same. There's always going to be some sort of thought and you probably are going to mess up. So, I mean, while I will always say for me, I don't, I don't need it. I won't ever give anyone grief. You know, if they, if they want to go ahead and go with full camo, whatever brand, whatever, whether they match or mismatch, I don't care, man. Just, uh, you know. When I think back, 
I used to give my boy mess. And uh, when I was coaching football, you know, I'd give my players mess as they as they got into those, you know, the the upper teenage years. Right. It, they they wanted to be spatted up or have this glove or this mouth guard or this face yeah. mask. And I'm like, you know, just play freaking football, guys. Right. Just rough and tumble <laughs> football. Yep. Yep. And and yep. Every single one of them would would tell me, look good, feel good, play good. And I and I never made the connection to hunting. And then when when this whole, you know, camel tech camel Sitka versus this versus that kind of came together, man, I was like, those kids were teaching me something that I had no (laughs) idea about, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I mean, I think that, you know, you touched on something there that like anything at a certain level. If it's quality, it's quality, right? I mean, there's, I, you know, I, I'm not trying to just blow smoke up every industry guy because certainly sometimes stuff will kind of look at the cost and go, geez, how much can they charge for that? But overall, when you get to a certain level, all those guys are making good stuff, whether it's Sitka or Kuyu or First Light or, you know, backpack manufacturers. Once you're above the really just, you know, dirt cheap kind of stuff that's maybe, you know, processed abroad or something like that, you're doing, you're doing with good stuff. And so, yeah, whatever, whatever makes you happy and makes you comfortable and gives you confidence and go for it. And actually, look, go ahead. I was going to say contrasting that, right. And, and, and somebody, we were just having this, uh, a brief dialogue on, on one of the socials is back in the day, it, it didn't matter, right. It didn't matter if it was, yep. you know, Walmart, you know, everybody says Walmart camel, right? If it was that type of camel, you right. just went out and right. you did, right? And and yeah. some of that was out of necessity. There wasn't, we didn't have the the tech in the textiles that we have nowadays. And man, what what a difference in the field it makes. I mean, I remember walking through the snow, freezing cold. Pockets were literally frozen on on my yeah. BDUs. <laughs> You know what I mean? And that's the only yeah. thing, the only reason that you weren't dripping wet is because everything was just frozen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get you. Yeah. And it's, it's funny when you think about that stuff too, because there definitely is a, a just do it out of necessity type thing. Right. And I will say that some of, some of what hunters do and, and, you know, you're asking me what I've seen change is that there's definitely uh, a very heavy push towards gear specificity and I mean like micro specificity, right? Like we need this for this hunt and this for this hunt and we're going to change like two degrees of the camo shade for this hunt. And I, I will admit I'm kind of like, I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> Cause I mean, uh, you know, I told you and something we can chat about or have obviously a little bit offline is, you know, I, I do some competitive kayaking as well. And of course that's what I have in the health issue that you and I have chatted about. But with kayaking, like when I was on this big team, it was funny. All of the top guys, because I was on the top crew, we showed up and we were tattered. Like our clothes were falling off of us because we were like, hey, I'm not going to buy new stuff until this literally is decayed. And so the joke the joke was, man, you can't be on the top crew until your, <laughs> your stuff looks terrible. But in some, ways that's, in some ways, that's a truism, right? Because if the guy steps out, whether it's hunting or kayaking, of a, of a catalog, right? And everything's brand new. Well, then, you know, I'm not saying he hasn't put in the miles and he hasn't replaced his stuff, but he may not. He may have just like, hey, I'm going to try and be successful by being gear centric. And, you know, that's, that's, that's something that's definitely promoted. I mean, let's be realistic. Yes. By, by industry, of course, because they want to make sales, but also by social media and things like that. And so, you know, yeah, you, you can be very gear specific and it will help you. 
but ultimately it is still you. You're the, you're the engine that makes it all go. So. I mean, that's actually brought up a couple things there, right? The gear centric thing and that push. And I mean, like, like you were saying, right. And it ties back to what I was saying back in the day, man, I had one bow, um, you know, there was a point where it was all boxed arrows. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, I think, I think the only thing that I really, that I really, really focused on was the broadheads. And outside of that, man, back in the day with the whisker biscuit, you know, it just, just phenomenal in the amount of change, man. But that, that push, (laughs) that gear centric push, and I'm a sucker for it. And, and, I'm a sucker for it because I like tinkering. I like to see what something's capable of. Um, But then there's this little kid part of me that just wants everything. If I'm being honest about it all right, you know, and and that's always a little bit of regret because I'll spend the money and I'll go, I don't really work. (laughs) It didn't really work for me, but it's cool. It's helped me produce my kit. Right. And and what and make a decision as to what fits me and what works for me. Um, but man, there's so much, dude. So, so much stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and you, I mean, you even bring up a couple of points with that too. And, and by the way, I still have a whisker biscuit, so no shame in the whisker biscuit. Okay. Hey, the whisker biscuit <laughs> will do you, man. That's right. And I don't bow hunt that often. So I don't, I don't have a reason to upgrade yet on that, but, um, but yeah, like I, I had, you know, just this year I reduced the number of rifles I had just because I was just like, man, these are a couple of them are just sort of sitting in the closet. I'm not using them. So. Um, I, I sort of decided to go back to being a one rifle guy and I got rid of basically all my rifles except for one backup and upgraded tremendously, um, which was both awesome and cool, but also painful and cool. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like what you're talking about, buying the newest, coolest thing. But yeah, once you know, like once you've gotten to a certain point, you can kind of get to that specific specificity and, and start to dial down to that end degree. I just, you know, know that a lot of newer hunters you know, probably don't need to worry about that. I mean, um, you know, again, talking about hunter education and doing that, like people constantly ask me like, what should I get my kids or what should I get myself? And I'm just like, don't worry about it so much because five years from now, you're going to be a totally different hunter. And you, you, you may go from rifle to bow or bow to rifle, or you may, I mean, who knows, and depending on the state you're in and the seasons and the kind of hunts you're doing, you know, obviously a guy in a tree stand is a lot different than a guy, you know, maybe shooting a mule there across the camp. I, the one thing I'll say with with what you were saying, and it kind of ties into earlier, is my mindset with it. Right? Is it's it's better to spend spend once. Right? Um, what are the, what's the saying? Um, yeah, just uh, buy, once, uh, buy once, once, cry once. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's kind of yeah. how I justify some of my gear purchases is the longevity of use and the diversity in use. Um, and yeah. a lot of the, a lot of the layering systems and, and new textiles allow us to do that. Where back in the day, we it was just you know kind of one thing for everything, um, or yeah. you just bundled the heck up, or you had you know you had your summer your summer gear, and then you had your uh, a whole new separate. Um, cold weather gear right with thick wool yep, and that yep. shit was miserable um but that's how i justify <laughs> yeah, yeah, mine man yeah your sweater froze right <laughs> yeah um but that longevity right so if, you know like my pants one of one of the pair of my pants i've had them for somewhere in the six or seven year range and yeah they cost me 300 and something bucks i think they were 349 right 
Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm getting that's, you know, six years of use that that dwindles that oh, cost yeah. down yeah. versus yeah. going and, you know, spending, you know, I don't know, seventy five, eighty dollars on a pair of pants and I might get a season or right. two out of them. So, I mean, there's yeah, some exactly. s- some plus or minus, right? Six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. Yeah. When you yeah. look at it, what what made you go from from uh, the breakup or camo? to a solid because i've seen a trend in that lately yeah and, and that is a trend and maybe i'm just following the trend i mean I'm, I'm just like everyone else i'm totally influenced by social media and everything else but but you know part of it is again i didn't grow up hunting right so not growing up hunting i had no uh i had no knowledge like I, when i started looking at camel i was actually doing scientific research i'm super geeky i love knowing how stuff works so i'm like well what does a deer see like I know I'm going to want to hunt deer. I mean, I kind of could just tell that was eventually where I wanted to go. So I was like, okay, you know, and then you start reading all these articles online by all these camel companies and why they make what they make. And, and of course, then, you, you know, you either decide, yeah, that makes sense to me or not. But just over time and doing research and seeing how deer react to people, even when they are in camel or not, and when they are moving or not, I was just like, I don't think this makes a lot of difference to, to me. And again, mostly I'm hunting um, mule deer in big open country. And I do a little bit of blacktail hunting too, but same type of thing with blacktails, you know, for up here in Oregon, we're usually, I mean, you're usually 150 yards or less, quite honestly. And it's more about just playing the wind and, and not having them see you. Um, so camo kind of doesn't, you know, doesn't make that big a difference because you still have your outline, even if you have camo. I'm not saying it doesn't help. I mean, if they see you, maybe it gives you an extra second or not. I don't really know. But um, just over time, I just was sort of like my hunting proficiency got good enough. I felt like I didn't need to have that as a reliance, and I didn't see the overall value of it. Plus, look, uh, you know, no matter who you are, they charge you a lot more for their camo usually than they do their plain stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, so I, and, and also... Um, I live in Portland. Well, I actually don't live in Portland. I shouldn't say that because uh, like, I don't like to, to associate <laughs> with that larger city. Uh, I live outside of Portland. And so, you know, if I'm always wearing camo, you know, it took my neighborhood Starbucks quite a while to get used to me coming in in the morning. I kind of duck hunt or a goose hunt dressed in camo and they give you a look like, oh my God. And I'm like, look, everything's cool. And it's literally just going to go shoot a goose. But, um, but you know, one of the cool things about being in, in less camo, and it allows you just to kind of, they just don't even see it, right? I mean, I guess that's the true camo then, in a sense, because it doesn't bring up any suspicions. And I'm not saying that that's good or bad, because some people might hear this and go like, oh, you know, people ought to just kind of relax a little, and, and maybe they should. But at the same time, you know, we have a responsibility, in my opinion, as people who go out and do these things and not to just shove people's faces in. So, you know, um, there was a, there was a point in time where I would have wholeheartedly disagreed (laughs) with that statement, but I, and I'm saying it because you said, you know, there are people that'll argue it to a point. Um, I would 110% agree with that presentation of it overall. Um, and it's kind of a weird thing. I mean, dude, I live in Southern California, right? And and you've heard me talk yeah, right? about it, right? You want to talk about yeah. being the odd man out. And yeah. 
realizing what you're dealing with and what you're up against, you know, and, and, and a lot of it has to do with where we live, right? You're in, you're in Northern yeah. Los Angeles when we start talking about Portland <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and, <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out how, how Seattle has Los Angeles and Portland beat at this point. Um, but yeah, I, right. I agree with you. I think that we have a responsibility to, Maybe not hide it, I, I guess, because that's how no, it would no, seem, I, right? Yeah. But it's not hiding it. Um, I'm not sure what that is. Protecting it? I, no, I, I don't a, know. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a weird line of not pushing someone's face in your lifestyle, which I don't think anyone would want anyone to do with anything that they're involved in. It doesn't matter whether it's hunting or you know politics, whatever, right? Um, and But also being true to yourself. So like... I will tell you this guy, like, you know, we, we haven't talked about this. I, I don't like this person. I don't like when people talk about harvesting them. I say kill because I want people to know that I know what I'm doing. Now, again, if someone else wants to use that term harvest and they feel more comfortable with it or it bridges different gaps for them, that's great. But for me, I try not to use it. Now, I may lapse occasionally, but, it, but I'm usually pretty conscious about it. And I try and say, you know, I killed this deer. You know, people say to me all the time, hey, do you catch anything? And I always laugh and say, no, but, uh, you know, I killed them. And, and, you know, I want people to understand that I know what it takes. And I also want them to understand that I take it extremely seriously. This is not, this is not me just romping around in the woods, squeezing the trigger, trying to <laughs> let lead fly as the, maybe the stereotype goes or the old, the old, uh, Elmer Fudd cartoons. Um, so there's a, yeah, there's a weird duality there. You're right. I mean, you know, you, you, you got to be true to yourself and you got to represent, you know, this culture, but we also got to recognize that something like five to 10% of the populace hunts and, you know, about 80% of the populace is pretty ambivalent about it. They, they, you know, from everything I've read and from my own experiences, they're not opposed to it, but they're also not really, you know, for it. So if you give them a reason to be against it by, you know, I don't know, we're in all camera and being covered in, and some blood or something without any sort of without any sort of context, right? They're gonna they, they may not enjoy that, and you just have to recognize. It. So playing devil's advocate there, right? If that's what we're doing, right? We we are in in in, in our heads that is helping our plight as hunters or conserving or, or being respectful yeah. to what we do. But on the other side of that, a lot of the people that are oppositional. They push that non-hunting or anti-hunting in our face. So how do we respond, you know, how do we respond like and kind? And and do we really need to respond like and kind by our having some discretion? Well, so, and that's, a, yeah, that's an awesome question, super deep well, of course, but, you know, to touch on it, because, you know, I, I, I do deal with this not only as an honor instructor, but also you and I have chatted about the fact that I, you know, I volunteer and work with several conservation organizations, including like backcountry hunters and anglers, including outdoor council and others. And it's, it's really difficult. I mean, there's, there's no easy answer there because yeah, you want to be able to, to stand up to the person who's saying you're horrible because you do this because they're maybe anti-hunting and, you know, you sort of have to allow them to have that opinion. You can't just say, well, you're wrong. You know, they, they get to have their opinion. That's the awesomeness of this country we live in, right? But you want to rail against it. And yet if you do too much, if you're, you know, again, showing maybe the wrong photos or pushing the wrong agenda, yeah, then you, you just feed into their argument. So 
for me, I try to almost just always be really super kind of like calm. It's not always easy. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of conversations behind the scenes with friends where I'm just going, oh my gosh, how the heck can someone believe this? Um, and I try and use as much science as possible. But, um, you know, there's, there's a really wild thing that happened up here a couple of times. There's been a couple of uh, proposals to, to actually like do some banning of, of trapping. And I'm not a trapper. I don't, I don't have any dog in that fight. But if you ask me if I think we should ban trapping, especially on, it was on national public land, my answer is no. That's national public land. Everyone has a right to it. Everyone has a right to use it. Anybody can use it. Trapping has been around for hundreds of years. And if it's done in a sustainable way, there's, there's no negative to this. So, and we showed that with the science. I mean, that was just kind of something we went over. And, and you know, that's, a, again, a deep rabbit hole. But that's the thing is that there's a lot of emotional investment, right? Um, I can't remember who said it. Uh, some, you know, famous hunter or Instagram or something like anything with eyelashes, right? And that's kind of the thing is that people get uh, carried away emotionally if anything with eyelashes is, is harmed. And, you know, there's a detachment. I think you kind of chatted about this on the podcast with your wife, is that there's a detachment from food, right? Um, someone doesn't have to, doesn't have to, uh, do it themselves when they can just go buy it at the store. They don't, they don't see it. They're not part of it. And that's what hunters, of course, get more than anyone else is that, that involvement. But you still have to be cognizant that it's not always the easiest thing when there's power to different people. Especially if they're, it's hard. I, I find it hard. Right. And, and I've kind of gone back and forth with it over the years. Um, you know, there was a point where I didn't say anything. You didn't know me. You didn't know. And then there was right. a point where is if you wanted to argue it, then that's exactly what I was going to do is I wasn't going to talk to you. I was going to argue it. And yeah. it actually got. It, the, the response was like in kind, right? It, it never led to right. anything right. resolving um, even close to having them understand. Right. And that, yeah. and that was yeah. my ignorance, you know, playing out. And then a lot of it was being younger and, and, you know, piss and vinegar. But then I saw the huge <laughs> yeah. value yeah. in it when I started to, when family members would question it. Right. And then I would explain yeah. it. And what was funny to me with that is that, you know, the majority of my family was is from down south and that is what they did. They hunted, they fished, they trapped, they fished, they fished, they fished. And even in my younger years, that's all we did was fish. Yeah. And when I got those questions, I'm not going to sit there and, you know, <laughs> up and down them. <laughs> So I would explain it and then to see the light come on and, and to see it click in them is kind of where it taught me the lesson. Like, well, this is the approach that I should be using and then wanting to represent hunting in a better light uh, and seeing the need for it also was pretty enlightening. Um, but I yeah. think it's hugely important, especially nowadays. I always feel old when I say that, um, that we have that conversation and yeah, we're not going to, we're not going to win everybody over, but just the yeah. enlightenment and, and for someone to have just the thought like, Oh, you know, this, that's not what I thought it was. I think we do ourselves yeah. a favor. It's someone that's not against what yeah. we're doing. Yeah, exactly. And that person is going to, is, is by proxy supporting you, I guess is the way to put it. Cause like most of my friends 
again, I don't come from a hunting background. I don't necessarily look like a hunter. I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't have any sort of, you know, that experience. <clears throat> so my approach to it is probably a little bit different than some of the people, but all my friends now really kind of like that I hunt. They even they say to me, well, I, I half root for the deer, I half root for you. And I'm like, that's okay. I mean, <laughs> you know, I get that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, it is a rather lethal tag or hide and see. Um, but, but, you know, like none of my family, I'm, I'm the only one who does it. And yet they still love it when I bring up the meat, but, you know, they're not interested in going out there and doing it. And that's okay. I mean, you know, there's another weird dichotomy is that, you know, we're all so worried about the lack of hunters and you know, people saying that, oh, well, the numbers of hunters are decreasing. And I'm like, yeah, that, that stinks. And we have to, you know, try and get people up there and encourage people to do it. But at the same time, even if you can't, at least if there's that understanding that you're saying, then I think that's really, really huge. Um, and it just allows for all sorts of things. Cause I mean, you know, and, and again, you, you may not, you may not want to make a go by uh by solids or camo, but they're not voting against you because they have some understanding in that next uh exactly. that next ballot box initiative, you know. Yeah. I mean again, yeah, if what eighty percent of the populace is, is ambivalent, they're the ones making the law, right? And and so if someone can show them that, you know, something's good or bad, they're you know, they're just kinda of waiting for someone to tell them something. That, and, and that's not a bad thing, right? To be that kind of observer, that's fine. Um, again, I would never, never, you know, say something bad about someone who doesn't want to hunt. I mean, that's that's their choice as well. And if they don't feel like they can or want to, then you know, that's fine too. At least they have some enlightenment, um, yeah. man. And you know, going back to that whole trapping thing up there, you know, what's funny is is you guys are just behind California, right? With, with the Western yeah. half of that yeah. state, <laughs> you know, kind of running the rest of the state. And that always, yep. you know, with, with trapping being banned and then, you know, you look down here, right. You can't hunt bear or you can't hunt over bait. And then they pull out the hounds. And then, you know, now, um, you know, the mountain lions kind of went down the same path to where now we can't hunt them. They're on the endangered list or potential yeah. for yeah. endangered list until I think it's 2025. We'll never get that right back. You know that. But that nope. seems that's, that's the like yep. a play. It's a step. Right. And and what they're doing is it's just one one step at a time until it's gone is is how yep. I see yep that stuff going down. Um, yeah. So if they're attacking those things and they're able to be successful and ban trapping and ban the use of the hounds and ban, you know, hunting over bait, whatever your outlook of hunting over bait is, that is just another notch in their belt to fight against us. And going back to what we were just talking about, if we are able to enlighten folks and show them that this is why, and it's ethical and it's needed scientifically needed, we have less to worry about on those fights and those yeah. organizations that are fighting us, man, they are nothing but political powerhouses. Oh yeah. And the amount of money they command is, is impressive. And, and, and you're right. I mean, those that are actually attacking, you do have to respond to that. I'm not, I'm not trying to say, I don't want it to sound like I'm saying like, Oh, let's just play the, I mean, the moderate. Um, my point is, is those that are apathetic or don't know, you know, kind of waiting, those are the people you can kind of lead by the hand and show them what you do. Someone who is working against you, yeah, you absolutely have to defend your right to be able to hunt, fish, trap, shoot, all of these things. California kind of a perfect example. And Oregon, of course, has 
some issues that are leading us that way and we're doing our best to kind of prevent certain changes. I mean, but you know, yeah, it's, it's a frail, it's a frail kind of tenuous line. And we absolutely as hunters, in my opinion, do a really bad job supporting each other. I mean, I'll be honest, I, I see this all the time with adult hunters, but you know, someone may say they you know, get into hunting and they don't know how and they get ridiculed. Right. Or they, they ask like, Hey, where do I go? And someone says the woods. Right. It's like, I mean, I get, I get why people get frustrated when someone just asks that, like, oh, you're shortcutting it. But they literally don't even know the question to ask. Well, they don't even know that they're shortcutting it. Yeah, they don't know. And so you got to show them that. If you say that, hey, you know what? Why don't we sit down and have a beer and talk about this? I mean, you, know, you and I have talked about like last year. So last year, God, it was 2019. Ooh, boy, um, I had the Idaho Super Tag remover, and I did not tag out. And people go, how can you not tag out in that tag? And that's a much longer story, but I'm not, I'm not unhappy that I didn't tag out because of the amount of people I got to meet and learn from is kind of impressive. I mean, like, I just got to meet the coolest people and sit down with them, look at deal on laptops, and they're telling me, like, quizzing me, hey, what do you think the score is? Here's where I was looking at the list. It was literally a, <laughs> a compressed education, something that would take me three or four or five seasons to figure to out. I got in, you know, a season. And it's like, so, yeah, it's up to us as hunters to help each other and to defend, yes, definitely defend against those actual attacks from people who don't want you to hunt. Because there are people out there who don't want you to hunt. They believe all hunting is bad, and they believe pretty much any animal uses that, right? I mean, a lot of those people, they just, just want no round products whatsoever. And so, you know, you, you can't you can't stand for that. You definitely got to be supportive of each other. And I encourage every hunter out there to be really encouraging those laws and whatever kind of commission or, you know, state organization you have that sets up the hunting laws. I encourage you to be active in that. And we're going to be a different in the states out there. But we do have a process where hunters can sit in on the meetings and write letters and make themselves heard. And, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, a lot of guys don't. They just bitch on hunting. <laughs> and I'm sort of like, hey, when was the last time you actually made you feel in the morning? Even if you're just saying it. That, that boots on the ground thing, I mean, it, it, two things there, right? It, it ties into ridiculing the guy or gal that doesn't know because you want them to have boots on the ground, but then your level of conservation is buying a t-shirt um, for right. 25 bucks or saying that I bought a license right. and a tag that, that at right. this point is not what we need in terms of conservation and definitely not yeah. what we need in terms of preservation of hunting. It's not, yeah. it's not yeah. enough. And then when you ridicule that guy, cause he's not boots on the ground because he has zero idea, but you have an idea that you need to do more as a hunter to preserve and conserve. Um, who's yeah. really, who's really the bad guy here. This kind of, you know, goes back to what you were saying is we're, you know, we, we treat each other horribly. Um, we push yeah. that new guy out and he's been ridiculed so much that he wants nothing to do with hunting one, but now he's damn near anti hunting in some instances yeah. because he's been ridiculed. A grown ass man has been ridiculed that bad, you know? Yeah. And now we have someone that was, was an advocate or middle ground coming in. That was an advocate is now, anti because of how yeah. we've treated yeah. this this you know what we were laughing about it earlier adult onset hunter i hate using that yeah, exactly 
Yeah, so you hate it, and I love it. And I have a friend of mine, and she can't stand it. She says, like, you, it sounds like a disease. And yeah. I'm like, I wear that badge. I wear that badge. Like, I that tattoo that across my chest is what I should do. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, label, label, go ahead. I was like, if that's, if that's what it takes, first off, to bridge that gap, so that people go, oh, there's adults that do this, great. Label me that, put me in a box, whatever you got to do. I, I guess I've never looked at it like that, but for me, why it, 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 it's another it's another way that we divide the the demographic. Oh, yeah. Right. And that's why Absolutely. it bothers me so much, because yeah. I don't care if you're an adult onset hunter. You've been doing it your whole life. The The level of effort is the same. We we don't. Yeah. It's not like, you know, yeah, we're walking different paths. We're on different mountains, chasing different animals. But what we go through, the majority of us, what we go through and look at the stats on on, you know, success it's the same damn thing. So it doesn't really yeah. matter if you're an adult onset or not. Why, why, why do we continue to, to divide our demographic, our community and yeah. have this sense of tribalism within this, you know, within this tribe. And like you said, what's, what's yeah. the pop, you know, the total percentage of the population that's hunters, we can't stand a divide. So you start separating yeah. everybody by these flipping titles. It gets us nowhere. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point I hadn't necessarily thought about because I'm always thinking, I will admit, I, I generally think outpacing, like, you know, the general public, you know, and, and inward though, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, it shouldn't matter if someone's an adult onset hunter. And actually, I would argue, you were saying that the odds are the same. It's probably worse from an adult onset hunter because they didn't grow up hunting and they didn't have a mentor. So they literally don't know what they're doing. I mean, I learned how to turkey hunt from YouTube videos. And let me tell you, the first couple of times were pretty, pretty much of a disaster, you know, until um, I got kind of lucky. But uh, yeah, I mean, so without that type of, it's such a steep learning curve, right? And if you're growing up with it and have someone to show you the ropes, great. But if you don't, I mean, good Lord, I, I, I have no idea. I couldn't even give you a number of, of guys and girls who maybe try hunting and, aren't able to, right? Maybe they give up. They, you know, people go out there and they try and they maybe even buy some camel and a rifle and they don't know even step one, how to zero the rifle, right? And they go to the range and some guy may say, you know, hey, let me show you how that works. And it's like, but if it's not put in the right way, that's just going to turn someone off, right? That's going to make them go like, I don't want to do this. These people are exactly the stereotype. They're a bunch of jerks. Yep. And, and it, 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 it is not, it's not an easy undertaking. Um, to go out after. Right. And I, and, and I'm, yeah. I'm saying something and, and folks, forgive me if you feel like I'm just broad stroking. Right. But I think yeah. that there is a level of things that are taken for granted, not by everybody, but by, you know, by a handful of folks, it's taken for granted that because they've been doing it their entire life and, and maybe they didn't experience that I'm by myself learning curve. Um, because they grew up around it and, and it is, yeah. and I know, and I'm speaking from my experience, um, you know, I, I started out in, in my early twenties and had zero clue, zero clue. And then we didn't, there wasn't YouTube. Um, we didn't have, you know, the online forums and things like that. It was okay, how do I do this? And I walked around the woods for, man, probably, I think I took a year off because I was frustrated. I was like, I don't have a lot of money. I'm spending time away from my family. You know, you, you, you have these expenditures involved with it and it wasn't as deep as it is now, but right. 
it was it, it's already frustrating. Right. And then to be lumped and then to be, you know, spit on and you're just trying to experience something that you think has some beauty to it. Right. Um, but I, I think there's a level of not knowing um, uh, what it that what it takes um, to be in that position and then to have, you know, a grown man. It, it's like driving down the street with, you know, your, your wife or your girlfriend are taking a road trip and you don't want to look at the map. Right. I mean, we've all seen that movie a thousand times and it's the same thing. Right. But, but hunting is, is such that you're looking at, you know, you're looking at this, these people in this demographic or this community and you're asking for directions. And instead of them telling you how to get from A to B, they're sending your ass all the way back to X. Um, it just, yeah, it well, just frustrates me. Else. They're yeah. literally like giving you, you know, I mean, there's probably, you know, and, I, and I'm generalizing here, but for any of us, I think we can probably relate to us. It, it's super hard to learn something new, especially, you know, once you've got your life and your lifestyle, right? And things are kind of set for yourself. So learning to hunt as an, as, a, as an adult, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, I'm actually thinking about it. People I know who are adult onset hunters. And gosh, I mean, yeah, what a what a huge hill to climb, you know, figuratively and literally, to start out to just have no concept of, of anything of it. Like, you know, I've I've delved down the rabbit hole. Like, you know, I listen to you guys, and I listen to so many podcasts, and I've got the pack I want, and you know, my workout now, and I do all the things right to make myself successful. But some of you guys know really even where to start with that. The amount of uh, of information is kind of staggering, and yeah, things not going to maybe give them a slight positive nudge or take them into the ring. Yeah, it's going to be really tough. And I'm glad you said that, you know, the, the amount of information is staggering. And and I say it all the time, dude, I don't know how anyone starting now can, can meander through the flood of information on YouTube and the other platforms and make any sense of any of it and then to try and decipher what they should be doing in their given area what's right what's wrong i mean it has to be that has to be insane i can't imagine wading those waters yeah well and that's why most people when they if if people ask me you know i always say start small right i mean again and using myself as an example, I, I knew where some turkeys were because I'd done some actual work in a vineyard with a buddy and there were turkeys all around there. So, okay, I already have a target-rich environment. And then it was just, how do I hunt turkeys? And okay, a shotgun and probably a brown hoodie so that I don't stand out like a sore thumb. Um, and that was about it. I and mean, that's really kind of how I started. I mean, it was really, really pretty basic. I wasn't... Uh, it wasn't exactly a call in the moon or anything. I was hunting in the fall because we have a co-worker in the field. So I just, I, I'm not going to lie, I shot a Jenny that happened to walk by a tree I was huddled under. <laughs> that was my first turkey. I was like, sweet. <laughs> All right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. And then it was like, okay, cool. Now what's next? You know, I mean, you grow from that, right? But yeah, if you, if you were just to say like, okay, you know, go out in spring turkey hunt, call one in. And, you know, do the right call, know the language, all of that. It would have been like, no way. I mean, like, yeah, just, um, yeah. That would be tremendously difficult. I have to know a language? I can't just. <laughs> <laughs> well, the language alone, right, of hunting. Let's be realistic. I was, I was uh, in such brief tangent, I was talking to a buddy of mine who was an ex-chef. And I said, man, how come? 
a deer leg isn't just a deer leg. How come the, the quadricep isn't a quadricep and it's a sirloin or a sirloin tip? And I was like, what the, what the heck? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It took me probably three to four years just to learn that stuff. Um, you know, at first I was like, I don't know what I have. Here's a cool piece of meat. I just followed the same muscle. It seemed to make sense. And I think I saw it on YouTube, but I didn't know what to call it. I didn't know how to label it or even necessarily how to cook it, which of course could also affect some of the equipment. If it's something terrible, it's going to be. And that, that actually is a really good point, right? Because, you know, you don't, I don't know that, that everyone grasp what it means right when you when you kill that animal and you and you get that meat home as a a new hunter i don't think folks really there's people that have been hunting for years that still can't cook wild game <laughs> but yeah you know what yeah. i mean you don't have the fat content that they're used to and and, and typically it's overcooked right and then you eat yeah. something that's you know overcooking you're like well i don't i don't get it right um and unless you have and and we'll, let's admit it there's a level of for the lack of a better word or phrase bloodlust that comes that that some folks have with it right um oh yeah and unless you have that 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 could be a turnoff to folks that are you know taking it on as a new endeavor uh when they cook yeah. it and they're like oh man this is not uh this is not what i thought it was yeah I remember. yeah well and, and you bring up a couple of points there too man I and mean, you, you talk about not only the the, the food aspect right and the, and the understanding how to cook it which you know i'm fortunate you know my family's always done a little cooking so i sort of kind of figured it out pretty quick but but you also mentioned kind of the, the newer hunter and maybe that feeling or not feeling of quote unquote bloodlust. And, you know, when I started out hunting, I, I wanted to shoot anything that was legal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if anything legal stepped in front of me, I was probably going to try and take it home. And now I'm not that way. I mean, and I still know a number of hunters who are newer and they're just like, yeah, anything's legal. I'm just going to take that home. And I, I mean, I admit, like it, it brings up a whole other, uh, you know, kind of aspect of, not bloodlust, but kind of a different aspect of hunting, right? Because, like, you know, for years I always said, oh, I'm not a trophy hunter, and yada, yada. You know, I don't really like the idea of hunting for trophies. Well, you know, I'm here to tell you, I'm, I'm a trophy hunter now right. because I want, to, I want to shoot the biggest deer on the mountain. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to let those little deer walk by, and I'm going to try and find that old warrior because he's the one. He may not, he may not even taste as good, quite honestly, let's be realistic, but I'm the one after him. And that's what I want. And, and you know, and, and, I, and there's definitely an emotional investment into that that maybe something that's kind of dismissed in hunting, or at least in the way we try and explain modern hunting, we're always trying to bridge the gap that you and I have been talking about. There has to be an, a, an admission of, you know, that primal excitement. I don't know what else to call it. You know what I mean? Like, disavowing that isn't right. You know, saying like, oh, no, I'm just out there to try and find some food. Yeah, that's true. That's totally true. I am. But I, I will absolutely try and find you know, the biggest animal I can. Now, it depends on the tag and, you know, the unit, of course, and the type of animals. And this year for me has been mostly kind of a meat year. I've had a really successful year. And, but I did, you know, as I told you, I, I, you know, I took a, for me, a big whitetail from my first whitetail. And I was just like, can, could have knocked me over with a, with a, a feather, but at the same time, yeah. I mean, I knew when I saw it, I was like, yep, yep, that's yep, it. yep. That's what we're going after. <laughs> that's a big mature 10 point. That's what we want. We're not, we're not going to go after anything else. Now. 
you know, and I, yeah. for me and, and, and my elk journey is, is pretty, pretty new. Right. And, but I, I have a standard, right. And, and I kind of had this conversation with my wife and a couple buddies, but I don't see it any other way. Um, yeah. You know, oh, you, you know, antlers, antlers. Uh, it's not. Does trophy hunting even exist? Really? I mean, you know, in in terms right. of what that really is, I don't <laughs> think that that exists anywhere. You yeah. know, maybe yeah. maybe in the 50s and 60s, um, you know, and before that, maybe that was a thing. But now, I mean, even if you look at, you know. African big game hunting, right? I mean, most of that hunting is very well managed, um, yeah. preserves. Well, if the you animals will. still eaten. It's not like it's not like this is wasted, right? I, mean, I, I think that people have, and again, that's one of those things the hunters have to do a better job of. It seems like people seem to think like people just want to kill stuff. And don't get me wrong, there is an excitement to it, right? It is a lethal game of tag or hide and seek, and. and there is absolutely a primal adrenaline to that, to that moment, right? And in some ways, you know, at least for me, it's almost like sad when they, when it's over. Not only because obviously I've taken something's life, because I don't get to keep doing it. <laughs> it's super fun. Um, but yeah, I, I, I know guys who, you know, tried to complete you know, sheep ran slams and things like that. And someone may say, oh, you're just out there trophy hunting. And I'm sort of like, yeah, but so what? <laughs> I mean, but what's funny about that is, is I wonder where that judgment comes from. Right. Because if you, if you yeah. look at, if you look at setting that goal for yourself, right. And, and, and when you, when you see it through to fruition, I, people have a problem with the accomplishment. I mean, is that what yeah. it is? Because, you know, that's, that's really what it would amount to, right. Is, is accomplishing that thing, right. Whatever that thing is and how you went through it to see it through the end, whether it's that mountain goat or that the doll or whatever, why do, why do folks have a problem with the accomplishment part of it? Because in every other aspect of life, accomplishment after hard work is applauded. Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I'm, I'm going to stop you there because I, you know, you bring up a really good point. Like, and I don't have an answer to it. It's just, I'm just sort of furthering the point. Uh, you know, again, you look at certain sports and some people are vilified because they're confident and they know what they do and they know they're the best. And so they don't tolerate anything less than the best. And then the public, for whatever reason, says that person's a jerk. Um, and I'll use myself as an example. I, I got pretty good for a while in, in paddling in, in the sport I was in out with the canoes. And I was, I remember chatting with a friend and he said, oh man, you crushed that race. And I was kind of like, yeah, okay. And it was sort of like a small pond race. And I didn't mean to like, you know, kind of squash on him. That's what I did. You know, in retrospect, I probably should have said it. But he got really frustrated. He's like, yeah, but if you, you think you didn't do well and you crushed the rest of us, that, what's that make the rest of us? <laughs> And, and and so maybe that's kind of part of it. I don't even know. Because I was like, yeah, boy, you know, I mean, to me, I didn't do well. Like, yeah, maybe I won or in second doesn't really matter. Like, wherever I finish, if I'm not happy with it and I know I can be better, I'm not going to be satisfied because I've reached a certain efficiency and level. And maybe that's the same thing with trophy hunters, right? They have reached the promotion. Let's be realistic. Those guys, they know him. I <laughs> mean, you know, unless they are literally just being set on, you know, on damage, which I just don't see that often. 
and I'll be honest, I don't, I don't see it. I know the rumors are out there. Oh, the guy just got set up over an animal and he pulled the trigger, and that's all they had to do. I, maybe that's around somewhere, but I sure don't see it very often. I mean that that and does ex- that does exist, right? Because you you know you talk a place like Texas where you have co-op deer, right? These deer are raised on a farm and they're fed, you know, all these these crazy protein rich, and they get these freaking right. antlers that have you know ten thousand points on them. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's true. And like red, maybe some of the red deer down in New Zealand tend to kind of manage. But again, being a newer hunter, I, I don't have as much exposure to that. To be frank, I mean, so I I don't have that same kind of uh, you know caustic reaction to it. And my thought is, you know what? Maybe someone isn't able to go hunting. Maybe they don't. They're physically you know not capable. They have an injury or something like that. But they still want to have the experience. So I'm I'm still sort of okay with it. I, I don't think you can kind of like you were saying. I don't think you can segregate. I don't think you can have one without another. You know, uh, it, it doesn't that doesn't hold well with me. It makes me un, un, un excuse me an uneasy feeling when someone says, "Well, we should do it this way, but not that way." It really depends on the situation and the person. So, I mean, I like to rest and hunt, but. I have a, I have my own dilemma, right? Because like the high fence thing, like I can't, I can't write it off totally. It's not something that, that I choose to do, but like you're saying, right at the same time, that guy still has to go and purchase a license in said state and yeah. purchase a tag in said state. So it's still, yeah. it's still yeah. money to the bottom line of what we're doing. And, and honestly, man, I mean, that's how someone else's is, you know, they're making their livelihood, be it yeah. producing those crazy looking deer um, or, you know, buying those deer and putting them in front of that field and setting a guy that just paid, you know, 10 G's in that blind. So I find a dilemma in myself, not with the, not with the people, but I guess because the fair chase aspect is gone. Maybe that's what it is, you know, but there's, there's benefit, there's benefit to it on the other side. If we talk about every dollar counts towards our bottom line, you know, and, and that's dollar or another number in our, you know, 10% of the population. Yeah. Well, and and some people could argue the opposite. I mean, eventually I'm sort of putting the shoe on the other foot. I I don't see it personally, but like you could almost say, Hey, uh, you know, high fence is more ethical, right? Because those animals are designed and raised to be, to be hunted and slaughtered and they would either be slaughtered by us or in a farm, right? Versus, you know, someone might, might, someone might explain, well, that wild animal, he's a wild animal, he should be left alone. So, I mean, yeah, it's not, it's not clear. I guess it's not clear. It's, It's super not clear. That makes it, and that makes it all the more muddy for everyone involved, right? And that's probably also why sometimes we kind of hate on each other. We look at it and go, wait, I'm going to get that. With what you just said, right? And, and, and as you were saying it, it literally came into my head. That's even more reason for us to support the demographic. If you're a hunter, you're a hunter, right? We, we don't have to partake the way you choose to partake. Right. There's guys that like, you know, duck and geese. And dude, when you talk waterfowl, it's like, I don't even get it. I've tried wing shooting. <laughs> I just, I just don't, I don't get it. Um, but it's even more reason uh, for I'll us to support it. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and that's probably the problem is, is when I, when I've gone, I think I've gone twice and it was nothing, man. We weren't prepared one. Cause we, yeah. I had no idea. And uh, yeah, just not, 
just not my cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't have to be like we were just saying. Exactly right. I mean, so I mean, there's so much involved, and there's so many levels that yeah, you're right. It's, it's it definitely brings back the idea of the community, and 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 you know, and again, the the, the involvement with each other, and the involvement with organizations, and with your state legislature, and and look, it, it's not easy, right? We're all busy, and then we already give our time to go hunting, which that's that's not nothing. And that, that takes a lot of emotional and time and money as we talked about, but then you're, you know, I'm kind of sitting here telling someone, yeah, and by the way, on top of that, you should do all this other stuff. But I mean, kind of the answer is if we really want to protect it and hold it and, and maybe even expand on some of the laws, right? Like one of the things I try and think about when I'm, you know, working with these organizations is not just to always be defending and beating back the, the tide, but actually saying, okay, Let's go over why, for example, in Oregon, we can't use crossbows. Why not? Tons of other states do. So what's the reason? And let's, let's delve into that and see if we can. Why can't we use them? Maybe we can't. You know, things like that. So I mean, it's not always about, you know, just defending and, and, you know, but again, as you mentioned, expanding and getting new hunters and new ideas out there. So. Right. And, and just so I can, just so I can say it. As much as I say support the community, the demographic, et cetera, if you are not representing us in a positive light, if if there's pictures of you behind a dead animal posing in a off-putting manner, um, yeah, I ain't getting behind that kind of stuff. If you're out there, you know, doing doing stuff like that, I'm not by no stretch of the imagination. Am I saying that that stuff is OK? I'm saying if we're responsible, ethical, legal, then we should be looking at each other with with some level of admiration. Um, yeah. So just to clarify, because I got my my bones to pick with some of the stuff I see. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's tough, right? I mean, like you're saying there, the, the, even just with the, the gripping grin, as they call it, right? I mean, it, it, look, I get it, right? I mean, like someone's excited and they want to share that moment, but someone who's not familiar with that moment doesn't see it the same way you do, right? Um, you know, so it doesn't transmit the meaning, the meaning, and it doesn't transmit it appropriately. And so that's why there has to be that backstory or that understanding. And there's part of the challenge, right? And honestly, like, you know, and I, I go through this, man, I've been going through this grip and grin thing for years in my own head is, is that's one of the things that I've, that I appreciate is when I see a grip and grin and there's, there's something there, there's some substance in the caption. Um, there's something that, that gives me like, you know, tells me what you went through. Right. And, and, and the reason that I appreciate it is one, I can relate, but two, you are explaining it to someone who may not even know that is, you know, that's yeah. going to see that. Um, and yeah. hopefully they, you know, again, the human side of, of hunting is, is far more powerful than what everyone thinks it is. Yeah. Well, and that's why we have these conversations, right? Because the social aspect of social media can be a very two edged sword, yeah. right? I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. That's a trip, yeah. too. That's a that's a rabbit yeah. hole for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty deep. Pretty so, deep. I mean, a lot of these topics are. Yeah. So one of the things I want to talk about, man, you know, we kind of kind of brought it up before we hit record here was we have conservation organizations, right? And, and there's, there's questions, um, that, that, 
you know, folks throw around like, hey, what what's going on with this? And, you know, where does the money go and, and how much of that stuff is is outward? How do we know that, you know, we where that where that few dollars we're spending is going? Um, but yeah. then another thing that I noticed over the last I'm going to call it year, year and a half is some of the scrutiny that's coming down because of some of the partnerships we see. Right. Um, and I won't say any names or anything like that. I'll let you you know, if you want to go there, that's fine. Um, but you got you know, you got a, a, a business or company that is outwardly anti-hunting. Um, there's organizations that are anti-hunting and anti-2A, but then these organizations um, are being supported or they're partnering, things like that. How do we, how do we meander through that? And, and because you sit on, you know, a chair of, of one for Oregon, um, I'd like your insight on it. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, it's, again, you're, you're just laying out the landmines today, man. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's so difficult, right? Because look, you have to appreciate when you know, a company supports a group or an endeavor or individuals if they have like scholarships or whatever, right? Or even if they just give gear, right? And say like, you know, here, we're going to give a bunch of gear that you can auction off and then that money goes back to conservation and this person gets this amazing setup. And again, maybe that's a new one. We can't afford this awesome, you know, bunch of kit. So it's 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 tough. I mean, a lot of that again, I think, comes back to the social aspect. Like right? these companies, you know, whether we like it or not, they're still there for the bottom dollar. And so I, I can't really look. I'm going to tell them what I think, but I'm not going to just bash them. I admit, I'm not going to bash them publicly because just say like, oh, you're terrible, um, because. They've got to watch out on both ends. They still have to be able to, you know, hunters aren't being, again, they're 5%, 10%, but then they're sending all their other stuff to the general public. So they, they have they have a really scary line to walk. A perfect example, uh, you know, and not to pick on anyone or anything, but you probably remember when the bone artist got dropped by, um, what was it, uh, I think it was under Um And I, at first, I was just like, under there's a bunch of, you know, went to Yahoo's and they should just, you know, go shovel off and you no know, one should ever buy the hunting gear. And then you start thinking about it, like, yeah, but again, they, they have all these other accounts. And if they get enough pushback, they don't need to have no choice. You know, whether we like it or not, money talks, right? And so if 80% of the market says, we hate that you do that, they're going to get rid of that little small part because they have things to feed. They have, you know, corporate effects to pay and, and expense accounts and things like that. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. It's sort of this weird duality again. That, that social aspect is so critical. So, you know, it, I just try and do it this way. When I'm working with a company, if they're going to be awesome enough to, to give money or time or year, I'm going to just be like, this, these people are great. And, you know, to the people who want to hear it, I'm going to say, here's why they're great. And then if someone says to me, well, hey, they're against this because they support that. And I'll say, well, I mean, do we know that they're truly against that? Because they're also supporting this other, you know, set. So maybe again, it's this kind of weird in between that they, they're caught between the rock and hard places and saying goes, you know, it's like, what are they supposed to do? And people will make it too simple and say, oh, well, they should just, you know, only support this. Like, again, it doesn't work that way. I mean, you know. You can look at uh, the, the, the big elephant in the room would have been Yeti with the 2A stuff, right? I mean, and, you know, so many people got really bent out of shape with Yeti, um, with the NRA. And, 
I mean, the Saints are going over, in my opinion, but it's like, gosh, we don't really know what happened there, to be frank, and we don't really know who said what or where it went. I mean, I can read articles on both sides and look, you know, I, I think you have to split second amendment. That's my personal opinion. UHA supports it as well, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's weird. Again, it's, it's one of those no clean answer and no good answer. No, nothing that's going to make everyone happy. Right. How do you, a lot of us are extreme, right? If you, if you support us, you support us. And if you don't, yeah. then we're, yeah. we're, we may not come for you, but we're, we're coming for you. Um, yeah. but what it, it's an odd, you bring up a point, but it's an odd fine line. If you look oh, yeah. at those contributions, well, if I mean, you, if, if you if, want to, Oh, if you're looking at if you're looking at, you know, what you're purchasing. Right. And and, and that company changes a position um, or, or you feel like their position is middle ground. If you look at the Pittman Robertson contribution that when you buy that gear, what that's going into, yep. is yep. it is it really is it really in our best interest to go against that? I mean, it's a it's a weird, right. weird uh, a dilemma yep. there, man. Yep. I don't even know how to make sense of dollars, it. Dollars talk, right? So you can always vote your opinion by dollars. But again, the same, it still comes kind of back to what you're saying. Just because a company loses out on, you know, a certain set of their, their, their market share doesn't mean that it's going to affect them on a grander scale. Um, and that's, that's, for, for, you know, I'll just put it out there. That's, that's part of the weakness of the, of the hunting world, right? We, we don't have enough. To, to be able to control those things. We don't. I mean, so that's why when if someone is, you know, kind of two-facing it or whatever and supporting one side or another, if, if they're supporting DHA or Wild Sheep or NRA or 2A, awesome. Even if at the same time maybe they donate to a campaigning with someone who says, I, I want no stricter gun law. Okay, well, you know what? We can fight that person if they get elected. We can try and, and make sure that those laws don't get put in place. You know, that's a, that's a longer term battle. So I guess it's maybe pick the battle, right? You know, and, and, and it's not easy, but that's what you kind of have to do. You have to you have to be willing to choose your battle and figure out what's going to work for you. You know, you bring up something there. What what's funny, like you know, this this past year, right, with all this crazy political rhetoric and started to see the numbers and, and, and hear these numbers and, and, and read about these numbers of how many sportsmen, right. And I'm, I'm hunters, how many hunters are actually making it to the, to the polls to go vote. And it's like, wow, that's a, that's kind of a weird thing there. Right. We, we, right. we don't want this dude in there because he's against this, 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 and this, but then to see, ah, man, I can't, damn it. I should know that number. It was less than 40% um, are, are making it to the, to the polls, man, to the ballot box. And yeah. I was, yeah. I was absolutely blown away by that number. I could not believe that number. Um, so our, again, we're not doing ourselves any favors, right? If, if we know what we're up against, but yet, you know, 36% of us are really getting out and, and, and doing the damn thing, man, that ain't saying a lot about us. Yeah. Well, and, and that's exactly the point. And, 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 you know, you, you, you can look at that both on the political level and again, back to corporations. I mean, 
you don't have to even spend your money at a hunting, you know, based organization. Again, since I'm wearing less and less camels, sometimes I buy stuff that's not even hunting gear. It's just outdoor gear. And then the question is, do I want to support that company? You know, what is their political agenda? What is their market share? Things of that nature. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's, like I, you know, like I said, definitely putting this in a minefield because you, 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 you're guaranteed at some point, I'll be honest, to probably go a direction that maybe doesn't even appeal to you. Just even, even if you don't realize it at first, right? And then you're like, oh, how the heck did I get over here? With, you know, but you know what? There's course corrections, I guess, is my point as well. Like none of these things, none of these things, in my opinion, are so immediately dire that it's, it's the end of yeah, the end of things, right? You know, you can you can write that organization. You can write another local organization, like BHA or some local hunting group, and say, hey. Have you reached out to this group? Have you let them know who else can Have you reached out to this politician? You know, uh, BHA made a big thing where they literally just had a big kind of drive the vote. They just put all over everything. They made, they made, you know, swag that you can buy that, you know, is in, you know, vote public lands. And they were, their whole agenda this well was basically get out and vote. Use your voice. Whatever that voice is, use it because your voice is your choice. And so, I mean, I kind of have to respect that. Like, they're saying that you may not even agree with your voice, but, like, get out there and do it. Because otherwise, yeah, you're not making yourself good. So, I don't know if that's exactly what you were looking for. Like, no, I no, that, pretty, that uh, I mean, it, it just brings up a lot of, it, it brings up a lot of thought, right? And that's kind of why I like these conversations. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it sometimes it'll lead my thought to a different direction. Um, sometimes it makes me go hard left on them, but. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, it's, there's local and national issues too, right? And yeah. so you got to sit there and do all that stuff too. Yeah. There's no, no easy answer there. Yeah. And it's harder too, right? And I think a lot like with the conservation organizations, it, it can be very state to state. Um, yeah. I was a bit disappointed here at home. Um, trying to work with an organization and put in the footwork and was going to do some shoots and got the groundwork done and, and man, you know, got agreement and then nothing, right. Hey, we're ready to go. You know, I got two archery shops. We're ready to go. Oh, this guy, that, this guy, that. And it's just like, Oh man, you know, and it, it, it's almost a turnoff because, Hey, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make a difference. And this is what we talked about. And you're supposed to be that organization that helps with this, but yet you're doing dick and you know what I mean? It turned me off. It was like, okay, I'm kind of done because I, for me, follow through is huge. If you don't have any follow through and I don't give a shit what it's in. If you don't have follow through, especially after we have the conversation or after the commit, I'm pretty much done with you. I'll give you a one off, two off. Everybody deserves that. I'm even guilty of it, but follow through is huge. And it's something that's in my head, something that important um, to recruit more people, to get more finance, to get more people behind the cause. Um, it was just like, man, I, I can't get behind it. Like, you know, what's going on? Why, why do I feel like you're falling off and I can't get any effort, but this is what you're preaching and this is what you're asking for. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, you should let them know that of course. And then, then I'd say, you know, keep pushing it. Maybe not even with them to go somewhere else. And because, it, it, it's worth it, right? I mean, 
Oh, I mean, absolutely. You know, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say BHL does does the you know the most amazing thing. There's things that go through the gaps. I mean, these are all volunteer organizations for the most part. You know, you know, except maybe at the very top end. And so, yeah, I, mean, I hate to say it, volunteerism sometimes it can be pretty slack. I oh, mean, dude, it's... Yeah, especially looking at you know, this year, this year specifically, you know. Coronavirus and all that, and everyone was kind of shifted straight sideways. But not, I'm not saying that as an excuse. I'm just saying. Well, this you know, yeah, yeah, this was no pre. This was pre Coco nineteen, so yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, no organization is perfect, that's for sure. And and if they make a mistake, you should let them know it, and then move on. Yeah, like you said, move on, find someone else. You know, you know, and just, you know, try and figure it out. But, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it just is what it is. But. I mean, I guess the positive is those groups are at least out there, right? I mean, because the opposite of that is no one's doing it. I mean, I will tell you this, that, you know, working with these two organizations, you know, I, the, the things I've seen and heard, sometimes I literally just want to throw my hands up guy and just, like, walk away. Like, I'm just like, I, I quit. I just want to go hunt. And I get it. Like, a lot of people do. They don't want to deal with it. But, man, it's going to be there. And it's... And, <laughs> It, it's necessary, right? I mean, you know, the the unfortunate part of it in my head is that it is the hope is that this is that it's very outward and we can trust it. Right. But the but the truth of it is that you need to do your homework. You need to find something that falls in line with your belief um, that is able to show you, you know, the spending or the efforts and things like that. Uh, and it may not be that big organization. It might be something fairly small. Shit. Uh, Colorado, Eric Myrie, he owns Basin and Bend. Um, you know, this dude is taking 11% of his bottom line of every sale. And he picks projects every quarter that he contributes the not, not added on money, but 11% of his bottom line into that. So even shopping and his online store, if you believe in what he's doing is a big deal, right? I mean, it's, it's huge, man, but you know, it's unfortunate, but we do, it's another area of research and scrutiny um, to find out what aligns with you. And, and sometimes you, you, you pick right for a year and then you realize a year later that you might have picked wrong or your views change or their views change and and the landscape is you know that landscape is ever changing oh yeah yeah absolutely i mean i I don't think you can ever i don't think you can ever settle right you can't just you know pick a chair so to speak it's musical chairs and and you bring up a good point there and 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 yeah i mean you find something that really resonates with you definitely you know sink into it but you know, the thing is with all these groups or even, you know, small organizations like that, and again, if that wasn't there, I mean, sometimes I feel like people don't really fully grasp the, the only way I can think of the dire straight of it. I mean, if, 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 if you know, for example, if, if, if you were here to try and discuss these regulations with the ODFW or the Department of Christian Manchester, uh, committee and uh, commission on on what the changes they're making and show our objection to things and show them why. I mean, there's like one, maybe two hunter, one, one hunter on that commission. People always say, oh, all these commissions are just loaded with hunters. It's like, we're lucky to have one guy on there with us. It's most of the people who don't hunt and have no idea about hunting. They don't even know what wild game tastes like. And it's like, whoa, this is, so I mean, you know, 
and, and again, I don't think that they're negatively impacting against hunting, not trying to like put the laws in place to, to just make hunting terrible, but the groups that do want that can then influence that person because that person has no relationship to it. Yeah. They have a relationship in deep pockets. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so it gives them an advantage. And I don't know that hunters always realize that. And hunters, again, are not always the best in supporting their own causes. And it's like, I really encourage everyone out there to just be really well versed on what's going on in your state and just, you know, try and try and at least expose some people positively to what you do and what you love because it really does pay dividends. I mean, you know, you said, how do you know, right? If you look at, if you look at something like PETA and their, and their finance, right. Um, right. And what we're up against, we, I, and it may not be, it may not be a big organization, but every dollar into what aligns with you is, I mean, you look at for there are 49,000 or excuse me, $49 million yeah. uh, a year revenue in PETA. Yeah. Right. You're fighting that, that that's what we're yeah, up against. It, and the, the, the worst thing about that is, and you know, to kind of tangent slightly is that as bad as PETA is, and I'm not saying I get along with them. I know what I'm getting from PETA. I mean, my, my number one that I really have real issues with is the Humane Society of the United States because it has nothing to do with Humane Society. It has nothing to do with really animal treatment. They make tons of money and they convince people to, you know, that, that, that people who want to engage in hunting or fishing, any of it, are cruel. <laughs> they literally have a, you know, basically, I mean, and I have problems with vegans, I really don't, but they have a vegan agenda that is extremely anti-hunting and anti-any animal use whatsoever. I mean, it's, it's and then they, they wrap that up in the guise of being a humane society. And I hate that. That, that you, you'll never sit and see me get more riled up when someone tries to, to slide something by. If you're going to come at me, come, come right at me. That's fine. We can, we can, we can have a, a, a debate, an argument, whatever you want to call it. But if you try and end around, we're going to have some words. I mean, okay, so you talk about Humane Society, right? Their annual budget's $100 million, right? And they have affiliated groups that account for $191 million yeah. in assets. And then $160 million of that, Humane Society actually holds themselves. So looking at it in that sense, yeah, they are, they are leaps and bounds over our friends at PETA. Yeah. And again, that's because, in my opinion, I mean, I know plenty of people who are ambivalent who don't like PETA because they feel PETA is too extreme. So while I don't like PETA, PETA gives you what they are. They aren't going to try and wrap it up in a pretty package. They say, love us or hate us, this is who we are. Humane society wants to manipulate the situation and that nothing, nothing will ever make me more frustrated than when that happens. And, and you know, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sly way to do it, right? I mean, why why do the frontal attack when you can just say, hey, you know, isn't this horrible? And look at this terrible photo or whatever, you know? And it's like, oh my gosh, that is terrible. Yeah, you know, we ought to do something about that. And it's like, man, that's just, just horrible. That's, that's everything that we've just lived in the last year is, is exactly right? what you described. Right? That is what we have all lived in the last year is that play to that emotional side and yeah. it, you know what I mean? That, that, the tug on the feels, man. Yeah. Yeah. It and is, and, they're, and yeah. they're good at, that's oh. the worst part is they're really good at 
Look I mean, at I it. give him credit there. Yeah. But it drives me nuts. I mean, so yeah, that's there's one of my big if you want to talk about groups that give me a pet peeve, you don't care. They can they can they can try and pick up my driveway. I'm gonna get a ratchet and um they they drive me nuts. So and I I then I've had it in with them. I've I've emailed back and forth to several of them and tried to get them to give me like financial information and stuff and of course they just don't even because number one, why would they? But two, they don't want to give me any ammunition. <laughs> which I already have to Yeah. I mean, a lot but, of that stuff though, I mean, you know, the, the, the financials on NPOs are supposed to be available. That's, yeah. you yeah. know, and that's, what's interesting with those things. Um, I just always wonder, man, like how, how legit is that reporting? That's, mm. you know, yeah, there's a whole nother. Yeah. There's a whole nother I mean, world to that stuff. And I and you and you probably never know, right? Let's That's, be realistic. Oh hell no, I won't. <laughs> I mean, it's, just, it's just the way it is, and some of that you just have to swallow, and it stinks. But again, then the answer to that is just make sure that you know what you're doing, you know, it encounters that, right? It's again, whether that's with people, whether that's with politics, whether that's with spending, whatever, just counter it, counter it, don't let it stand. Yeah, realizing. I mean, part of it too is is realizing how strong that opposition is, right? If you, oh, yeah. I think if you can level yourself off, realize how strong that opposition is and that it is very, very, very real. Um, I think that might lead, if we can do that, somehow do that magically in, in our demographic, that will lead to some very motivated folks <laughs> to actually, like I said earlier, be boots on the ground and take action yeah. Um, and, yeah. and go to those meetings and stuff like you were talking about. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, that's a rabbit hole, man. You can, you can, you can, abso- <laughs> you, brought, you brought it up, man. I, I know, but you can absolutely get lost. Right. And then it, you start to oh, research yeah. that stuff and it's, it starts to, to spawn more thought and it's a trip, man. And then you see the tactics like you're talking about. If you look at the tactics, yeah. it's like, oh man, this is oh, crazy. Yeah. But you go to the local so, shelter. A lot, a, a lot of people still don't know that Humane Society of the United States has nothing to do with shelter. I mean, I've told people that. And I've, I've shown them the literature and they go, oh my God, I'm never donating to them again. I've had people say that because they thought they were honestly giving to an animal shelter. They, they have killed dates. For giving to an animal shelter. They have planned kill dates at their shelters. Yep. Right. That somehow is humane. Right. I have a planned kill date. Um, And then look at, you know, you look at how they have their hand into localities. Right. They're contracted by a locality to manage the, you know, air quotes, manage the the pet population um, and make sure that you're paying your dog or your animal license. Um, there's one of the what is that SPCA? They they SPCA, walk around. Yeah. They'll walk up your driveway to see if you have a freaking animal. And they're no, yeah. they're they're in my eyes. They're along with you know the the humane society in that madness. And it's like, wait a minute, well, who the hell are you? Yeah, no, I would agree with you. There's not there's not an, an oversight that somehow makes them an actual authority. No, you know I mean? no, and, and so. But, they, but, we, but we grant them as a people, we as the people of America, grant them that authority when we, when we listen to them or we donate to them or we allow them that, that you know, that, that avenue and say, yeah, okay. I mean, look, everyone has the opportunity for free speech. I have no issue with that. But it's also up to us to listen to that and go, that's a bunch of us cooking. You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, you, you got to call a spade a spade. And, and, and so, you know, 
uh, and just sit there and, and idly sit by or listen and accept it. And, and look, it's easy to do, right? I mean, we're all so busy and we've got so many pieces of information coming at us. Again, it's so hard to, like you said, yeah, to decipher it all. It's right and it's not. Yeah. yeah. I had one of them, one of them folks walk up my driveway. This is years back. And I didn't know who it was. I see somebody odd in my driveway. I'm running outside. And, you know, the lady, she's in plain clothes. I have no idea who she is. And I'm like, what, you know, what the hell are you doing looking over my back gate? I'm with, uh, <laughs> Such and such. And I'm like, okay, and, you know, get the hell out of my driveway. And yeah, right? I chase her down the driveway. She walks out and, you know, don't walk in my driveway without, you know, talking to me. I don't know who the hell you are. Um, well, I have the same authority as police. So she calls, she calls her backup, which is in my head, he's a flipping dog catcher. Um, well, we can, we can, you know, come and check. No, the hell you can't show me where, show me where you have that authority bigger than, than, you know, uh, officer of the law who still needs a warrant. You can't just walk exactly. up. Exactly. Unless you have a probable cause, he still can't do it. Yeah. yeah. And yep. I would not impede yep. on that, but who the hell are you? You're a yep. civilian in a blue outfit with dog hair all over your ass. You know, get the hell <laughs> off my, the hell off my property with that mess. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, but that's the thing. People get empowered. They get emboldened, right? And, and and then if we grant them that power and we keep it to them, then they're just going to continue. They, they, it's like a weird, I, I don't know if it's a drug to them or whatever, you know, I hate to use that term, but like, right, they have that adrenalizing power over someone else. I mean, and that's got it's got to be a bit of a trip for them. You do, you do remind me of a, of a story because you were talking about cops and people walking up in the driveway and you, you don't mind a total tangent because it seems oh, like you've no, gone shoot, down the so I know you and your, you know, your wife are talking about like first experiences and getting animals and all that, you know, and, and kind of the process. Um, so the very first deer I shot, I think I might have mentioned this to you, the very first black tail I ever took. Um, I didn't scope myself because of course it was, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. Nice big gash in my forehead. I had to go to that urgent care and get it glued shut. But all still worked out well, but so I, uh, you know, picked a couple of deer in the garage, packed it full of ice, and the buddy Dave was, uh, you know, big outdoors guys and classes and all that. He said, oh, I'll come over tomorrow. I'll help you help you process it. And I said, great. And so I'm trying to be all cognitive. This kind of ties in, you'll see, with what we've been talking about, like public facing. So I'm trying to be all cognitive. Okay, I'm, I live in a townhome kind of complex, right? I got townhomes all around me. So I'm like, okay, well, I want, it's cold out, but I want fresh air through a garage. So I, I open the garage and I open the back door of the garage. And I pull my car, my, my SUV, in front of the garage. So you can't really see what we're doing. Because I'm like, okay, I'm going to make sure no one's just watching me and pulling pieces off of the deer here. Um, one of my neighbors had already come by and brought his kid, actually. He's like, well, I'm sure he's good. He's like, I'm not a hunter, but I'm not going to be able to see this. And I said, absolutely. And the kid's like, pull the sidewall. Pretty cool. But so here, we're like processing this deer. Now we're about halfway through, and we take a break, and we're sitting in the garage having a beer. And I look out the end of my drive, and I see a cop car pull up. And I go, huh? And I live in a little kind of private condominium in a complex area. And my townhome is private. You'd have to drive into our area. You're not just on the street. So you know, you know when someone who isn't from here is here. And I was kind of like, I've never seen a cop here. <laughs> and uh, he stops and gets out of his car, and I look at Dave, and I said, huh? The cop at the end of my driveway. He goes, really? And I said, I think he's coming up here. Dave's like, nah. <laughs> Why would he do that? Sure enough, he starts walking right up the right up the walk. 
you know, basically blocked off the end of our little lot. And uh, he doesn't have any lights on me. And he's pretty cool about it. And he goes, hey. And I said, hey. He said, what's, uh, how's your day? And I said, pretty good. I said, someone call you? And he goes, yep. <laughs> and he said, uh, I said, really? He said, yeah. He's going to build a body part and some bloody water. And I said, oh, I did throw a bucket on the bush out in one of my house. I did, yeah. And I said, uh, I, I shot a deer and uh, my buddy Dave's here helping me process it. And the guy says, he says, oh, nice. And Dave goes, that's his first deer. And he goes, oh, that's great. I didn't get one this year. He ended up being a hunter. Um, and, uh, and then in Oregon, uh, we don't have uh, a fishing game. Our cops are our fishing game. And so, of course, Dave then says, well, do you want to see a tag? And I'm like, dude, thanks. <laughs> it's like upstairs. And well, he's like, well, that'd be good. So then I have to run upstairs and get the tag and everything. But. It was just kind of funny because uh, he was like, look, you're not doing anything wrong. I said, yeah, I tried to put the van in front and the, the car, the SUV in front to make sure no one could see it. But in retrospect, I'm thinking on that guy. That may have been worse, right? It looked like I was trying I was to hide, hide something. It. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just this pink, bloody bucket of water comes splashing out. That might have looked a lot worse than just if I'd been in the process in the buck. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it would have been just as bad. And, uh, when that same neighborhood brought his boy over actually came to the way and I said, someone called the cops. He's like, you gotta be kidding me. He goes, who do you think it was? I said, well, it's gotta be one of these three houses. They're the only ones with the windows that look into my garage. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, uh, I didn't go knock on their doors or anything. Uh, my buddy of mine said, you should set the head on the doorstep. And I said, yeah, that would be good. But yeah, I mean, so it's the same thing, and it, and it definitely had me thinking when you were talking with your wife about just the processing aspect and the strangeness of it. Because for me, that was I'd never done that, I and mean, I had someone basically walk me through every step, and then have have the law show up. That was an interesting, uh, an interesting side note to that little story. Yeah, yeah, I can't let my yeah. wife hear that because she'll feel like even though that's ten years old, she'll feel justified. <laughs> See, I told you that was she's going to be a boat hunter, isn't she? You know, I, I we'll see. We'll uh, yeah. the plan is to get her out on, you know, take her out on a pig hunt with me here in the spring and see how she does I there. Do. And, you know, hopefully I can get her behind the rifle and say, here, you take them. So we'll see, man. I'm, yeah. I'm excited to uh, I, I, just have her in the field with me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and when I've taken friends out and I've gotten a couple of people who actually now, they hunt uh, turkeys and squirrels, and I don't think they've ever hunted anything else, but I'm just thrilled as they get. They run around and chase squirrels and turkeys. I mean, they, they become full on running turkey and squirrel chasers. You can have a short opinion. Anyway, just to, you had me thinking there. I was like, I was like, oh man, speaking of the police and people walking up on your drive, I was like, I didn't mean to tell you that story, but actually, not even necessarily on the podcast. I was like, I gotta tell a guy about this crazy story. Yeah, that's that funny. One time. <laughs> You know, I, I've actually, me and a buddy were coming out of a hunt and uh, we walk up and we took this long Edison road and you get to the top in this area going, you know, the way we went and you're, you're by these, you know, high dollar kind of million dollar homes coming through the Edison right away. And as we got, we, we crest the driveway this van, a minivan goes by us. And then I immediately see the minivan slam to the opposite side of the road and stop. And I just started laughing because you know what's going on. We got rifles, you know, and we and we try to be discreet as we can. And, you know, our rifles are covered, but you can you can tell what's going on there. Right. Camoed out. And we're just walking out of the woods. And I and I 
told you, I was like, oh, here we go. And uh, look down and you can see her on her phone and she's her <laughs> eyes are as big as silver dollars, man. And she's looking in that side view mirror back at us. And uh, it was just like, yeah, yeah. So get what happens is they make the call and they say, yeah, ma'am, it's you right. know, it's hunting season. But to see yeah, that response. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. you got these guys coming out of the woods with guns. It's well, just it's a, a, it's a lean response. So hopefully, hopefully when they are told that nothing's wrong, they can accept that or, you know, I mean, the, the best thing, and I know it probably didn't happen, but actually then she could have actually interacted with you. you know, yeah. Then, I, I don't mean, know about, I don't know. One, yeah. I don't know about how I would have responded then. Yeah. yeah. And I know for sure that Drew would have told her to suck an egg. <laughs> well, that's probably not so good then. <laughs> so and, and I don't and I don't blame and I don't blame you or him for that type of because you know it's like look, it's like look, I mean there is certain amount a certain amount of I've had it and it's sort of like mind your own business, I'm not doing anything wrong. But but at the same time, yeah, if I get a chance, um I will always, you know, and, and again I'm not trying to toot my own horn. It sounds like I'm just always saying I'm so awesome, but I often make a ton of mistakes. But like, you know, I've, I've been tricking on and, and I stopped with like a, I think it was a safe way to get like a soda or something. This lady came out, she's looking in the bed of my truck at this turkey and she goes, well, wild turkey? And I was like, yeah. She's like, did you just shoot that? I said, yeah. She's like, can I touch it? And I said, absolutely. And she was wild by it. And this was some you know, little lady in little nowhere town and she probably got a big thrill out of that. And I hope, I hope she went home and just was like, that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. I've had that too. We were, we, I don't remember what hunt it was. Yes, I do. It was, uh, went in on the afternoon, shot a deer. We rode our mountain bikes in because it's like five miles in. And I was like, you know, I'm just throw the, throw the deer over my mountain bikes. What I did is just walked out, but I, (laughs) I used the mountain bike, right? We just, just field dress the deer and I put it over the bike and strapped it on and I'm just wheeling it out. And uh, as we're getting closer to our destination, uh, there's a parking lot and I knew we were going to come across hikers and whatnot. And the sun was going down. I turned off their headlamps and no one no, we were walking by people, man, on this on this trail as we're heading out and, and people didn't even realize it. Right. We were just walking yeah. and they were yeah. just totally impervious to what was going on. <laughs> and this family was walking up and they had a little chihuahua. And I'll never forget no, that little chihuahua just it just going crazy just out of excitement, <laughs> you know, barking, running around me, little tails wagging. And the lady looks over and she goes, oh, my God, is that a deer? And I looked at her and I go, yep. And she was like, oh, and she comes over. Can I touch? And she's literally she's petting it. Oh, poor thing. Poor thing. And she was asking me, are you going to eat it? And I'm like, yeah, we're going to eat it, you know. And then her husband's cracking up and he goes, he goes, do they taste delicious? And he's looking at me and looking at her and he's got this big cheese smile on his face. And I'm like, absolutely, man. And he's like, yeah, they're good. And he's egging her on. But she wasn't oppositional. She wasn't like you, you know, you, you bastards or anything she was just you know appreciating the animal and and just you know oh poor thing type type deal and i and that for me was actually a cool interaction because there wasn't i didn't see anything wrong with with how she responded to it you know what i mean um she she respected the fact that this is what we did but at the same time she probably had more admiration for the deer than she did us but yeah it it was a good interaction yeah 
Well, and, and look, I'm not saying every interaction I've had is good. I, I, you know, when I was in Idaho, believe it or not, and this is a place that's known for hunting. And I was, you know, with this tag I had, I went on this hiking trail, some type of thing, and I was coming back out. It was after the morning, so it was like probably around noon, and I ran into a family, and this guy goes, oh, God, a hunter. And that's exactly what he said. And I was just like, I was like, oh, hey, how's it going? He's like, what is in season? I said, oh, I have a blue tag. He's like, damn it. He was a damn it. And I was just like, he's like, you know, I, I, but I didn't. I said, I tried to defend it, right? I could have, like, gotten really healthy. And I, and I was, trust me, inside, I was thinking, like, listen here, <laughs> you know? It's not it's just because I'm a hunter doesn't make me a horrible person. But I just said to him, I said, look, I wouldn't worry about it. I said, it's a super limited tag. He said, you probably wouldn't even see another one that's out here. Uh, especially during the day when you guys are going, when you're attending, you know, the possibilities are there. How do you know? And he was like, oh. He kind of just let it go. He was like, okay. Yeah, maybe it wasn't, <laughs> you know? maybe it wasn't a hunting thing and it was a safety thing. In I'm his sure head. that's part of what it is for anyone, right? When they see guys with guns, they just assume that hunters are not going to be safe, that our, our reason flies out the window when we see anything that moves and that, you know, I mean, the movies have stereotyped this, right? Um, and, and stereotypes have some basis in reality, whether we like it or not. So, I mean, so it, it definitely is one of those things where you have to, have to try and note that and just kind of let it go. But, you know, but again, if someone gets in my face, I'm not going to back down and say, Hey man, this is my right. This is what I do. You don't have to like it. You, you know, the response I always like is when you tell them, you know, hey, it's it, impeding on a legal hunt is is a federal offense. Oh, bullshit. Yeah. No, it's not. I'm calling the police. Call the police. Please call them. Call them yep. for me on yourself. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'll, I'll sit here and wait. Trust me. We'll all get on the phone together and you're going to be pretty surprised with the answer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, but it's not always easy to know that. And of course, no one wants conflict. That's the realistic thing. No, I think that's a lot of it. It doesn't make anybody. No, I was saying that's a lot of it for us, right? We want to go do what we love and not and not be bothered while we're doing that, right? right? Mm -hmm. We don't we don't have issue with it. I respect your decision <laughs> and opinion not to partake. Um, or even be oppositional, please just do the same for me is, is I think a lot yeah. of our take, we just want to go and do not with, you know, with mm -hmm. all the BS. So I think that's where a lot of our angst comes from with these folks. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I mean, look, and, and you and I definitely have a different take on it than a lot of maybe other hunters because we're Western hunters, right? And that's different in its own right. I mean, I can't even imagine what it's like in Pennsylvania on opening day of Jersey. You know, I hear it's like World War Three. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't have a relation to that. I have a, I, when I'm out, I mean, I'm like, goodness, I get away from everybody, right? I'm like, you know, it's like, this is awesome. You know, it's like, I'm so far out in the backcountry with my buddies that there's literally no one around. If we do run into someone, which is a rarity, it's probably another hunter in that position. So, there's, there's definitely some, some challenges to each you know, experience because of what we do and how we do it. So. Well, that's, I mean, that goes back to earlier in the conversation, man, how we represent it and how we approach all of this via social media, via social interactions. Yeah. It, it's all very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, brother. Well, I appreciate the time, man, and the conversation. It was good to uh, finally sit down and have a one-on-one -on -one like this. 
oh man, I, I really appreciate it and I really enjoyed it. And I'm like you, I, I actually like these conversations and especially if people can even just think about it, they don't have to agree. It'll just keep your brain going. That's it, man. It, it might, you know, it might spawn some, some thought process and spark something in somebody. That's the hope, you know? Yeah. Cool, man. Well, again, I appreciate it, brother. And I'll uh, be talking to you soon. Yeah, Nate, say hi to your wife for me and, uh, you know, hope you're not doing something big in 2021. Thanks, brother. You too. Thank you for listening. Follow Western Contours on Instagram, subscribe on YouTube, and sign up at westerncontours.com. Episodes are available on most major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. We spend a lot of time preparing for our hunts, and how we fuel our efforts is key. Head over to valleytopeaknutrition.com, helping you perform optimally in the backcountry. Sign up for Mountain Hunter Box on our partners page. Mountain Hunter Box is a monthly subscription box for backcountry hunters. Receive quality hunting gear and camping gear at your doorstep every month. You can select the species you want to hunt and the method of take. With three, six, and 12-month subscription options, use Western Contours at checkout.